Hi everybody, welcome to a very special INE Live, live in New York City today. I'm your host, Katherine Brown, and here alongside uh, Brian McGann, who works with INE, and Neil Moore, who's with VMware, uh, two of the absolute brightest minds in networking. And so we are thrilled to, to be running this very, very special INE Live, not uh, from our little windows and our computers and all in our different houses, but um, we are all here together in New York. Um, and, and just really excited about a great conversation and also excited to give you uh, who are watching the opportunity to really get involved and ask your questions and bring your issues and your challenges right here. Um, I'll pitch them over and, and you can get real-time answers. So super excited about this. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, a little housekeeping first, as we do each time we stream here on INE Live, I want to let you know that we are streaming live right now across social media platforms, including Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can stay in the loop for when we do go live. We want you to get involved. Talk to us, talk to others. We've got a team monitoring chat, and so we're going to get those questions queued up. And uh, do us a favor, put a queue at the beginning if you have a question. Um, that'll just help us be able to find those questions easily as we're looking through all the chat. But um, definitely get involved, talk to each other, and, uh, and just really embrace this uh, for the community that it is. So with that, I will officially introduce our guest today, Brian McGann, a uh, Director of Networking here at INE a four-time CCIE and CCDE, where, uh, Brian, I know you focus now on networking, emerging technology. So Thank thanks you, for Catherine. being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, also with us, of course, Neil Moore, Senior Director at VMware and Service Provider and Edge Business Unit, an eight-time CCIE and CCDE. I'm just gonna say that again, because you're like the only person in the world we can say that about, right? Eight-time CCIE and CCDE. Um, focusing on 5G proof of concepts worldwide. So honored to have uh, both of you here. Fantastic to be here. Awesome. Well, let's just kick off, right? Uh, and I want to just first talk about how you two met because you two have known each other a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we were talking about this before the uh, the panel thing here started, and we had to go back, and I think we stopped at about 20 years. Right. <laughs> so right. If for everybody that has access to the Wayback Machine, we're talking about group study, and uh, this would have been back almost to pre-internet times, or very, very beginning of the internet. <laughs> pre-internet times. It literally, it's pretty it close. literally <laughs> is pre-internet times, yeah, yeah, yeah. where the uh, uh, the Cisco documentation used to come on a CD, a, a one-speed CD-ROM CD. Literally, <laughs> yeah. And the backup was volumes. Yeah. There were, there were, yeah, there were printed documentation. In the there lab. was no Google. Yeah. There was no Google. There was no Google that didn't, didn't exist. Yeah. See kids? You don't know how hard we had it back yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit more specifically. So there used to be a um, mailing list. I don't know, probably, you probably got, most of you guys don't even know what a mailing list is. <laughs> but uh, it used to be where people would email you on a list and you could reply to everybody. Um, and this one was specifically for CCIE studying. It was called uh, group study. Uh, and people would post technical questions and other people would answer. Um, and uh, it's actually how I met my original business partner, Brian Dennis, as well uh, on group study. Uh, but this, this had to be going back to like 2001, 2002, yes, yeah, 2001. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I passed my yeah. first one in 2002 and I'd already known who, uh, right. and already using, I think it was, uh, had a different name back then. Uh, and it wasn't INE yet. It right, was it was Internetwork Expert. Is That's, the, yeah. the, we wanted the domain name <laughs> as long and complicated as possible. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to email us, 
You would know. You it would be wrong. Yeah. 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 So a lot of people ask what INE stands for. That's, that's right. What for. People don't even know what INE stands for. The Internetwork Expert, yeah. as in Cisco certified Internetwork Expert. Yes. Yeah, that's what it stands for. Yeah. Back in the days. We wanted to get it as close to the name without getting sued as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. check. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and then it just uh, progressed from there. Then uh, INE actually got a website. Right. And you had your workbooks online, and as I was progressing through my IEs, that's when I picked up a service provider, then voice, and then, yeah, I don't think you had storage. I think no, I had to, no. yeah, that was what, uh, not many people actually got storage, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just pro it kept progressing through, and uh, yeah, we've kept in touch ever since. Or friendly competition between the two of you, I mean, you're going for these exams, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I was yeah. worried about Brian Dennis because he had the ISP dial. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So he had one that I couldn't get. <laughs> so Still yeah. bugs. It would be a blocker if he had, if he kept going. He would have blocked. He would have blocked. Because we only have the internet time machine. We don't have an actual time machine to go back and take that exam. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> that there would were, be great. There were, yeah. there were a few. If of you them. can invent one of those, that would. That would really just eventually. It doesn't matter when. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah. See, so you got that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it doesn't matter when. Doesn't matter when. Just eventually. That's yep. awesome. Um, so uh, let's go into a little bit of, of what you do specifically. I know we were talking as we were just getting prepared for this, and, and Brian said, you know, there is literally only one meal more. Like, like people really call you, and you, you fly all over the world at a moment's notice. Um, let's talk about yeah, your job so a little bit. It's, uh, I went from an individual contributor to a people manager. So I have a whole team of people <coughs> that do what I do. So. Um, it, it, what I do is, uh, I guess the, the best way I could put it is, you have to be in the right circles <laughs> to be able to talk about what you do because it's cool. Because it would be like me going to a uh, pharmaceutical convention. I have no idea what they're saying and right. what words they're using. So it's like when we start talking 5G uh, or going through radio, it has a whole different terminology to it. But once you get past the radio, it starts getting into the networking and switching, which is the same as mm -hmm. everything else. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it, one of the things about it is if, if we go back in time, uh, and this is only for people that are in this circle, is when a cell phone <laughs> first started, it became really cool, but so few people actually work on them. And that's what this job gives me the opportunity to do is actually go behind the scenes. So most people, they pick up their phone and they go to YouTube and they have no idea how it works. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, like you're sitting at your computer, nobody understood how to get to Google. On our side, it's just different technology to get you to that same destination, mm -hmm. which is, it's a, it's a really, to me, it's very lucky to be at the right place at the right time mm -hmm. doing this kind of stuff. I like to just tell people I work for the internet. <laughs> for the, the whole thing in general. Yeah. The whole, it's all, all me. the whole yeah. thing. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the easy explanation. Yeah. The long answer is what Neil said. The short answer, yeah. he works for the internet. <laughs> you make Google work. You make Google work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I mean, it's simple, but it's, it's not going to work by it's itself. Accurate. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, so if you guys were to start over, right? Like, we're talking about, you know, how you guys met back in your career, but it, and you've both obviously had tremendously successful careers and, 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 and really made a name for yourselves in the networking industry. But if you were to start over with resources that are available now, like uh, resources, training resources, lab resources, um, you know, cloud-based technologies, the, the kind of stuff that INE provides, um, how would you go about it? Would you go about it the same way, different? Well, one of the advantages of 
back in the early days is there were so little and so few pieces <coughs> of learning material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the downsides of starting now without putting the thought process into the goal that you want to get to is there's just so much material out there you don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So one of the nice parts is I take a blueprint of whatever certification or whatever I want to learn, then I break that down like a map into the subcomponents. So like for your INE stuff, if I want to learn security, I actually go to specific things. There's just so much material. So one is to have a plan, a global plan, and then specific tasks along the way that get you on the map. Because you may say uh, you're in Chicago and you're trying to go to New York on a map, but you have to actually go city by city to get there. And that's where you learn the individual technologies along the way to get you to your goal. That's a great analogy. So yeah. that's that's my, uh, literally, I have the attention span of a six-month-old puppy. <laughs> so if I don't have that kind of methodology set up, I'll, I'll be out searching, you know, on Twitter, trying to find something to, you know, oh, that's really exciting. Has nothing to do with what I was trying to get to. Mm -hmm. So I'm very methodical on, on my uh, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think a lot of people would would look at the two of you and think, uh, you know, overnight success or, or, or it all came easy, right? Um, but to your point about being very methodical, like you had a plan. There, there are challenges, you know, your your attention span is short, you said, um, and, and you had to be very um, intentional and thoughtful about how you progress with every step. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, to give uh, uh, Brian here some bad flashbacks, <laughs> is the CCIE, for people that don't know, is an eight-hour exam. Well, it was two days probably in his day, but mm. it was eight hours towards <laughs> the end. It was two days. Just two just days right. towards <laughs> the end, back in his day. But but if you don't also do the, the ability to, to block off and focus for eight mm. hours straight, mm. And you're in this room, and, and, and I know this, this sounds like a, you know, a medieval torture chamber, that there's no Google, and all you had was the documentation on the wall, and there was no way to search for it, so you had to know what you were looking for in order to yeah, find exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. So that, that's the thing, is that the ability to, to focus, and then you're on your individual components, and then be able to do the whole thing in eight hours. And eight hours is game day. So when you're practicing, though, you're practicing for weeks and months at eight hour or four hour to eight hours increments to get to that. that Just to point. build your stamina, for your mental stamina, for yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that actually has helped out as well. So I, I'm able to focus on that particular task for mm -hmm. long, long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I would say for the same question, the, probably the biggest change, I would say, is how the equipment access works. So when we started, originally, uh, Neil and I used to buy these physical boxes uh, that we would host either in our house or like our data center or whatever. And that was kind of one of the big differentiators between uh, I&E and you know, going anywhere else is that we had access to this really specialized equipment to uh, even to one time when you were working on service provider, right? Mm -hmm. So Neil specifically went to my service provider class just to get access to this equipment that we had. Yeah. These uh, Cisco, Cisco 12,000 series routers that were literally this high <laughs> <laughs> in our data center, yeah, for yeah. a service router. But um, now everything is virtualized. That's not, it's not a barrier anymore to entry. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that is like Neil was saying. It's it's almost like there's too much information, and you have to try to sort through it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, like when I bought my first Cisco router, it was a two-port Ethernet router for eighteen hundred dollars, I think. Mm 
2501. <laughs> Other than the documentation, which was a, literally as long as the state, a printed set of books that, like Neil said, if you didn't know what you were looking for, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Like, so you can't just you know, look at the index and try to figure it out. You, you had to read these cover to cover and try out the stuff on, on the equipment mm -hmm. to make sure it actually worked that way. And then um, it, in the actual exam, if you wanted to use the documentation, you had to know exactly where it was because literally, like I said, it was on a one-speed CD-ROM. So most of the time you would hear it just spinning and spinning and spinning, <laughs> trying to load the page. It was faster to go to the books and just and physically sort through the books, assuming you knew uh, where to go. But that, yeah. that actually used to be part of my training, that towards the end of the class, I said, okay, I'll show you guys how to use the documentation now. Like, you want to learn, you want this topic, go in this direction. You mm -hmm. want this topic, go in this other direction. Because mm -hmm. it's like someone at Cisco, it's their full-time job to move links around and hide them from us. Yeah. So, you know, because they got to keep, it's like job security. So they, we click on the links and then they redirect them and then we find them again somehow. But, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's definitely different now than it, than it was, you know, back in the day. Just the, the amount of resources and then I would say the virtualization of the equipment. is So, so you, mentioned, you mentioned virtualization. We had a great question come in from Amaru watching on YouTube and thank you for the question. Um, and this is to both of you. Do you think all network engineers should trans... Uh, do you think all network engineers should transition to virtualization and cloud? Well, Neil works for VMware. <laughs> so, of course, he's going to say, yes, we should buy a virtualization for everything. But, yeah, yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. Um, because not only is the servers virtualized, but the network is now virtualized. Um, that you don't need, uh, and, and especially for learning, you don't need physical equipment. You can use the virtual machines for 99% of the stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but in real world applications, let's say I have my data center in New York and then I'm talking to the public cloud, I still need on the other end, like a Cisco router or a Juniper router that's running inside the cloud in order to talk to my uh, two networks. So what would that be, NSX for you guys? It, it, well, NSX, uh, EVPN. EVPN, something like that, yeah. But it's all about perspective as well. So you've got the end user perspective where they're talking about virtualization of networking. But we also work at the, there's still physical hardware somewhere. Somewhere. There. <laughs> so we also, for ours, we work at the physical layer as well. So the virtual layer connecting to the physical layer, at the end there is still physical hardware, but a lot of the common tasks have been automated. Mm. So to throw out acronyms to you know to sound cool and all that is like uh, MPLS, uh, pseudo wires. These these uh, the ability to stretch networks even in the cloud uh, infrastructure that is still riding on physical hardware, mm -hmm. but it allows you to have a common like a common physical infrastructure and then virtualize what you would need underneath. Mm -hmm. I, I personally think that somebody doing CCIE level work going and uh, doing VLANs or setting up sub-networks that could be done at a virtual level mm. all day long, is, is a, it's better to do it virtually than it is to go mess with the physical infrastructure. Right, right, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, you really need both ends. 
you can't realistically be a network engineer today without understanding virtualization, mm -hmm. and you shouldn't be <laughs> a virtualization engineer without understanding networking. Uh, but I guess fortunately for us, it doesn't work that way because they don't know how it works. So that's what they pay you and, and me to come in and well, fix. Well, right? and this is the 20 years going, right? Yeah. So there was no virtualization when we started. Right. And so virtualization came along. Like, I know this is showing my age just a little bit, but there was a time before VLANs existed. Mm. So this virtualization has been around in one way or another for, for many, many years. And it just keeps getting uh, better and better. Mm. So, uh, 10 years from now, what we're talking about for virtualization is going to be old school. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 10 days from now, yeah. it might be old school. Yeah, I want to rewind this just a little yeah. bit because since we're talking about virtualization and hardware, and for studying, we used to have to go way out of our way to get access to this physical yeah. hardware. Yeah. Neil used to host a lot of hardware at his house. <laughs> and he's got a great story he's going to tell us right now about the power company. Oh, you The, the quote-unquote power company coming to visit him because uh, of what? Too much utilization, I right? had I had one of the 12Ks, the, you, you, the big boys with right. the I, DC power. I switched it to AC. Mm. But uh, if you look on, everything's available on the internet. If you find it, there's a picture of my uh, uh, power consumption at one of the, um, <laughs> uh, it was like the best neighbor. It was like a the, bar graph. Yeah, oh, like yeah, yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's like the best neighbor. The worst neighbor, <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. And they, they came over. They, they were like, what's going on? You know, I think it was uh, hydroponics they thought I was running. They thought he, yeah, they yeah. Thought he had a grow house. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, I had a hydroponics in yeah. my house. And I was like, eventually my gears were going, okay, let me just show. Because when they came in, I said, he says, why is you using so much electricity in this room? And I go, oh, I have a fax machine in there. <laughs> like, they don't understand what a router is, right? Yeah. You know, and all of this. Like, oh, don't worry. Yeah. And all I, all I was doing is, wait a minute, this guy is playing with this. You know, yeah. he's, he does have, okay, I'll come. Come on, I'll show you. And they go, what is this? Is this Best Buy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it could run Best Buy. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those were, those were, those were uh, interesting days. And, and now the, from a power perspective, uh, having everything virtualized is like having the physical hardware, but when you're studying, it's in the virtual environment. But having the, the history of working with physical gear, when I actually show up at a service provider mm -hmm. and we'll just say, I've been to Sri Lanka. So in Sri Lanka, you still, there's the physical gear, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we, we virtualized and all of that. But yeah, you hook up the console cable. I think there's a couple of pictures out on uh, on Facebook or on mm -hmm. uh, where I'm sitting on the on the floor. Floor of the data center, right, with the console cable. Like I was starting to do that where I was sending ones from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Sri Lanka, India. I was, here I was, same shirt, <laughs> sitting, on the, sitting on the same pillow. With, with just a different server in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, those are great times. Wow. So it, we're, we're talking about you know, data evolution and virtualization and, and moving to the cloud and everything. What in your opinion, this is, this is for both of you, um, Neil, we'll start with you um, because I know you go, go to a lot of different places, but what do you think the biggest challenge is facing enterprises right now when we're talking specifically about networking? The security is one of the, the ones that I see that the networking that was done for a lot of the enterprises was, was set up and, and evolved 10 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was set up with a hard outside shell uh, to keep all the bad people from the internet coming in. Mm -hmm. But now it's a hard shell, but it's all soft and gooey on the inside. So if a person just comes in on the inside, they have full access 
uh, to pivot as, as, as a security term is they come on one and then they can pivot to another to another and then eventually they have access to get out and uh, you know just to make the shameless plug for your your stuff is that once I know what I need to study then I come in and say okay we've got the they got the hard candy shell on the outside with all these firewalls now what can I do on the inside and it's also for the virtualization. We've got the virtual, virtualized firewalls and all that to be able to, to do the lateral movement, as it's called. But that's, that, to me, is the, one of the bigger ones. is the security, but transparent security. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think security is definitely a big issue. Um, I think one of the other big ones is the new cloud teams trying to interface with the networking team. Um, so the question is kind of, are these two separate roles where cloud is on as, is cloud part of sysadmin or is mm. cloud part of networking? Mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. the, net, the traditional network engineers don't know how the cloud networking works, but you can't just take, off, take you all of your old gear and just power it down, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Moving to the cloud, it's, it takes years and years and years to move to the cloud in, in, in a lot of cases, and you still have to talk between those two networks in the meantime. So yeah. I would say one of the big challenges is, is finding that person that knows enough about both mm -hmm. to interface between the two teams or, to, you know, maybe it's one role as a, a cloud architect that knows all the on-premise networking, but then also knows the, you know, the new cloud networking. Yeah, I, as you're talking about this, I'm, I'm wondering how do you see this evolving and how you see this dynamic shifting yeah. in like say the next five ten years like what how, what do you think well i mean uh, the thing with our industry is that it's always a constant hamster wheel mm -hmm. everything is always constantly changing so you just have to accept the change or get off the wheel and go do something else right yeah, yes. so you I mean it's a matter of fact that virtualization is here cloud is here it's not going away so if you still want to be in this industry you neil like you were saying you have to be able to have that 10,000 foot view, like of the overall holistic view of the network, right? Yeah. That you have to know how all of the parts interact with each other. Not necessarily that you're an expert in all of them, um, but you know, when you're troubleshooting the stack, you need to be able to, yeah. you know, go all the way up or all the way down, you know, from uh, from from either perspective. And it's I would also say. about cost. So, uh, like, say you've got uh, clouds charged by the byte. Right. Mm -hmm. So, say you've got a SQL Server or uh, Elasticsearch and it is just huge on the amount of data that it's moving around. You would keep that on-premise so that the price would always be the same. If you moved it to the cloud, you could get a $100,000 bill because you're charged by the byte. So it's also about having that network admin be able to right place the, uh, the workloads. Right, yeah. yeah. So do you think that the, the instruction that's out there now, right, and the exams, the CCIEs, everything like that, do you think it is it is still very relevant and will continue being relevant? Like, how do you see the, the industry adjusting to this shift? Hmm. So I would say that CCIE is still very relevant, uh, as well as the other VM, like for example, your VMware certified in what, mm -hmm. in VCDX, is that no, correct? I don't or have no? that, what is, what, is, what does that one mean? Or which one do you have? I have the VCIX, which is the NSX one. NSX one. Yeah. So, Lower than that. so for example, VMware has certifications, Cisco has certifications, but there's nothing really like meeting them in the middle and saying, mm -hmm. how do I deploy the full stack? Yeah. Saying that, yeah, you know, yeah. I need to go from on-prem to the cloud. There's no one really, I mean, we're training for it, but there's no one testing on that right mm -hmm. now which I think is kind of a gap in the industry right now. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you have individual certifications. I'll pick on yeah. Amazon for a second. So you have Amazon-based certs because they're all, I'm just Amazon. Right. And then as we were talking about the CCIEs, I'm all about Cisco mm -hmm. gear. It's if a person is able to learn both sides, mm -hmm. then they are not siloed to one or the other. Exactly. Then they then they fold on security on top of that, both Amazon, Azure, or, or physical or, or, or VMware. Then they've just made themselves even more valuable because they're interlocking different skill sets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anna, I, I'm just reading a comment from a YouTube viewer, network geek, as a network engineer, what skills do I need to acquire to be relevant in the market 10 years from now? Uh, there's your answer. <laughs> I'll know, I'll know <laughs> the answer to that question in nine and a half years. <laughs> yeah, 10 yeah. years ago, I, would, I mean, uh, just to help everybody realize yeah. how um, you have to keep evolving, there, there was a time before IP1. <laughs> so uh, that's what the internet runs on. So there was there was Token Ring, there yeah. was uh, IPX, IPX SPX, Apple Talk, Apple Talk right. all of these protocols lost to the internet. And we the worst part, we had to learn these protocols, mm -hmm. and now we have that stupid knowledge, we can't throw it away. <laughs> can't get rid of it. Can't get rid of it. <laughs> something else. It's, it's the storage <laughs> is being used, you know, you can't free it up for something else, but basically all that gear just got thrown away. And the yeah. knowledge is useless now. But the, I guess the real point is, that was that was a pass or fail and I'm saying 20 years ago, mm -hmm. you needed to know this cold. Mm -hmm. right. 10 years from now, uh, the technology that's coming in with, um, again, just saying buzzwords to sound smart and all <laughs> that, but there's SmartNICs coming in where they're actually making the network card even smarter mm -hmm. with its own operating systems on it, which is a different area of specialization. Right. So not only does the computer have a network card, but the network card has its own operating system. Okay. So, the network, so the computer has a network card, but the network card also has a computer. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So th this is a, uh, that and how fast the data is transmitting now, people can, it's a, uh, and this is again, way back machine. The, the internet used to be like, a thousand times slower than mm. it is now. Mm -hmm. It's uh, projecting to be thousands of times faster. Well, four. I mean, four hundred gig is shipping today. That's that, it. Blows <laughs> my mind. Just, what What's the best way I could put it? When I started, a hundred and forty four k floppy would have taken three hours to do, and you can do a hundred and forty four k and under a as, as you hit enter. Maybe even the picture that showed up on your screen is more than 144K. Yeah, really. But that was, that's even farther back. Oh, that's right. into the modem days. That's pre-internet as well. But the, the, yeah, the, I would just say that you've got to pick something and then just keep evolving with mm -hmm. it. And that, that's a key word, evolving. You know, it, to your point, technology is changing so fast and, and the industry is just, it's, it's, it's like breakneck speed, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to keep up. Um, Neil, in particular for you as a, as a people manager, mm -hmm. um, how do you view the role of education with your oh, team? Yeah, it's, uh, education is uh, uh, what I would consider non-negotiable. If they want it, they just take it. I don't, I don't question it mm -hmm. as to whatever area they want to go. But I do have different styles of people on the team. So I have somebody that's say six or eight months ahead mm -hmm. where there's 20 choices to do something, mm -hmm. and then we have people that are coming back towards now, three months out, when the choices go from 20 to two, or three three ways to do it. Mm -hmm. But as you, like, the 10 year is so far with the number of, uh, of choices that a person right. could have, mm -hmm. it's, it's inconceivable. But six months, nine months, then we start pu pulling back towards current day. 
so that we find, oh, um, like, uh, I know this is a little old, but like OpenStack, it was, there was other choices for that back in the day. Now OpenStack's out and Kubernetes is in. Right. But there's, there's, there was, there, and there's different alternatives to Kubernetes as well. But those, those choices, if you'd asked me like two years ago, it was like, no way, you know, that's too far out. Yeah, you would have thought like OpenStack was manna from heaven when it came out. Like, <laughs> everyone's gonna run OpenStack. <laughs> Five minutes later, like no, don't run OpenStack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the the thing is that the it's a uh, in in our field and it's it's the culture that's in our group, is that they they, they know that they have to to keep this going. Uh, they they borrow from the past and then they take that forward because as you've been doing this for a long time, you're like, wait a minute, somebody tried this same thing five years ago, mm -hmm. but with a different twist on it, mm -hmm. and so you kind of reuse that knowledge. And it's going along with that. It's kind of funny that Neil and I have been in the industry so long that when someone comes up with a new solution and we look behind the scenes to see what it is, it's really something from 20 years ago that they just rebranded <laughs> or something from 10 years ago that was already rebranded as something else is being rebranded again. Right? Yeah, the GRE yeah. thing. Yeah. GRE tunnel. Yeah. It's the ultimate solution, the ultimate band-aid. Actually, I saw... I joke not. I solved a problem with the GRE tunnel the other day. My one of my engineers was like, "I can't believe you just did that." I'm like, "Why don't you just use a tunnel? It'll fix it. That's the ultimate fix." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my go-to. Yeah. So you, so you said. I know I'm going to push on, push on this a little bit. Uh -huh. um, you said that it's it's open, right? The mm -hmm. education is open. It's out there. Mm -hmm. How how important? What kind of emphasis do you put on it? Do to your teams and and speaking to to any enterprise, what? level of importance should be put on training? Should it be mandatory? Should it be, you've mm. got to be constantly doing this? You have to be doing this, or is this something that should be left up to? Well, let, let me feel this one. I think that's an interesting question. Should it be mandatory? I think the answer to that question is no, because you realistically, you can't be in this field unless you enjoy doing what you, you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because after you do nine to five, you still are gonna have to go read, you know, X amount of documentation or whatever, in order to keep up with new technologies. Um, because unfortunately, not everybody gets focus time or uh, you know professional development time or yeah. whatever during the day. Because 99% of the time, the network's on fire during the day. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just hard to fit everything in. But, uh, but I think making it mandatory is probably not the correct solution. Mm -hmm. you, you, instead, you want to have an engineer that it's their request that they're coming to you saying, hey, I want to learn this. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of the other way around, like, hey, you're learning, you know, X, Y, Z next. Yeah, and it's also around the culture is that you've got some people that treat it as work and then other people that treat it as fun. Mm -hmm. So if you have more uh, folks that treat this learning and constant evolution as fun, they also help to feed that information into everybody else. That's one of the fantastic things about having a group like I have is that you're able to act as a multiplier. So you've got like five or six people feeding you information and then you're able to, you didn't have to go learn that information and put in the 20 hours that it took to learn it. They bring it to you in like five minutes, which is fantastic. <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, sometimes instead of Googling, I'll just ask one of my instructors like how to figure something out, mm -hmm. let them figure it out and then they'll tell me yeah. it's much faster. Yeah, it's a multiplier. Yeah. Now we all know your trick. So I know, see now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it's, but, it, but it allows a nexus, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have, uh, like I was mentioning earlier about somebody that's six months out. You're like, oh, no, no, no. But you hear it and then you start, you go do a proof of concept over here and you're like, 
wait a minute, those two kind of are gonna meet in a few months. I need you to focus on this mm -hmm. actually a little bit more. And then it just kind of meets. And, and uh, they're every, everybody's got what they need. At the, I sometimes call it, like you log on to INE every once in a while, it's like I need just-in-time knowledge. Yeah. And I know what I'm looking for, and then I search for it, and then I'll like learn it. <laughs> and then, and then, but I get very specific on what I want. So otherwise I'll, I'll treat it like Twitter or something, and I just, oh, you know, I'm off yeah. learning something that has no, uh, no bearing on yeah. what I'm trying to yeah. do. Yeah. Because it's cool. Hmm. Um, we've talked about the training, you know, the education mm -hmm. as, as technology changed and as the industry has evolved. Um, how do you see training methods continuing to evolve? What, what needs to happen mm. with training for it to keep up? Where, where is it going? Of a training where somewhere you can interact with the instructor and ask them questions real time. Mm -hmm. um, so, the problem though with ILT is there's so much information to learn, you can't realistically learn it in a short period of time, like five days, and then retain it long term. Mm -hmm. So, you need something more spread out. But, the, so an option for that would be to go online, but then you kind of lose the interaction with the live instructor. I thought by now, like the Jetsons, we'd be in VR and be, you know. <laughs> That I'm doing this from home and we'd be interacting like this. I think until the technology gets to that point, the online is still not going to be as good as ILT. But I mean, we, I mean, post COVID, just ILT is not an option for most mm -hmm. people. That everyone's used to working from home and doing Zoom meetings and stuff. So mm -hmm. I would say if Zuckerberg is right and his metaverse is going to take off in another maybe 10 years, mm -hmm. then, then that will be the ultimate platform for training. Hmm. Jetsons, I'm still waiting yeah. on my Rosie, by the I way. Know, right? yeah. <laughs> what about you, Neil? Um, how do you see training evolving? Well, one of the advantages Brian has is he is also a multiplier. He has hundreds of students asking him the questions. And that it, is true. That is and true. Then eventually, those questions become repetitive. Mm -hmm. And then now he's seeing the. Start uh, to see the trends. The trend yeah. and mm -hmm. the commonalities between the. Uh, the different groups. Uh, by having an, uh, an instructor that has that level of focus, the literally you've got a thousand people coming in at once over the course of you know a year or two, and and again the questions start being BGP and GRE tunnels solve this. It's like then you start feeding that backwards. But uh, from an evolution, I've been at the beginning when they used to send a book, like you would you would send in your your money, you would call up with your credit card, and then they would send you a book. And then that was what you would do your entire uh, lab. We used to print the data on dead trees, and then send those trees out to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to long, long time ago. Yeah. Now you're going way back. No, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're from Jetsons to the Flintstones. Yeah, but the, it, but literally, it was a stack of books like this big, yeah. like no joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was. But you'd sit there and you'd just go through them, and then you'd get on group study, and that was more of a of an aggregator as well. But I. I for me, there's just so much information out there that I have to focus on like five, like I, I for, for the right or the wrong reasons, I pick between three and five sources of material mm -hmm. only. And then I don't go find any more until I'm done. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'll find something else and then I'm, I'm you know, off doing that. I'm mm -hmm. not actually finishing my objective. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about stability, right? Um, and this is for both of you, but, but how can you create a culture that's able to keep up with products like Kubernetes and also balance that with the stability that service providers are looking for? 
okay, the um, <laughs> the the stability, uh, this, and I, I think the the person means like the st stability of Kubernetes itself, or uh, Kubernetes uh, is new and old in a way. So it's new on how the deployment happens, but it's old on the way that it does it. Mm -hmm. So the I guess see that one's a tough one in that you want to stay current but the way that it does it is so different than virtualization with uh, you know give a little bit of history before kubernetes or microservices there was like a monolithic like you had a exchange server all of the services or a call manager well you will go to we'll go cisco style a call manager had everything all in one spot and when kubernetes comes along it's like 500 different little microservices and every one of those can cause the whole thing not to work so it's it, this is that's an it's an evolving platform and depending on who you're getting your software from uh, there's different levels of maturity in it so some of them all they did was take a virtual machine and put it in kubernetes mm -hmm. and other ones are actually embracing the microservices uh, infrastructure got another question from uh from youtube and this seems relevant right now um what is the best learning blueprint to get to an expert level in virtualization automation and cloud hmm, what is the best blueprint i think there's not really one blueprint yet um there's blueprints for becoming an expert in virtualization or in cloud or what was, what was the other automation uh, automation yeah. um <clears throat> excuse me but uh like I said, I think it's that's still one of the gaps where an enterprise architect would have to understand not only the network and the virtualization, but then also the automation as well, because that would be the day-to-day -day operations. Um, so I think currently the only way you can do it is just by building three separate blueprints. Hmm. Um, but long term, that's a problem that we're looking to solve is to try to unify them so that you have one master engineer or architect, really, that oversees, you know, all the, the microservices. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So if you take it and uh, take this one back to my analogy of the map, you know where you want to be, but mm -hmm. it's actually three destinations on the path. So you would start with the virtualization, then the cloud, and then the networking. Those are three separate paths. Then you combine them together. So just to, to reach on that one, it would be like Azure or uh, Amazon for the networking side. You learn how to do that manually. Then you learn virtualization manually. And then you automate that all. And I was doing this back in mm -hmm. the day for um, uh, like my CCIE, my last one. I would. Uh, do it all by hand, then I would virtualize the steps that I was just doing over and over again. That's how I learned right, to do right. uh, CI/CD yeah. pipelining yeah. Uh, and automation. But yeah. to do automation without understanding what you're doing first—that's the key. Don't yeah. that's I, that, don't do that. Yeah, just just <laughs> what yeah, just, yeah, just what Neil said is that if you don't understand the system behind the scenes and you're trying to automate it, then the problem is when your script breaks, which it eventually will. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't know what to do because if you don't really understand what the system is doing in the first place, then it's hard to automate it. But it's not to say that people aren't doing that. People are doing that, but they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're doing it, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Neil, I know Brian was one of your first instructors in networking. Yeah. Um, as a student, and I think it, it, it's fair to say that 
that both of you are, are lifelong learners, right? I, I think mm -hmm. you would both consider yourselves mm -hmm. students. Um, how have your frameworks and your training frameworks evolved as things have moved from paper to online to whatever the next evolution is? Yeah, for, for my frameworks, uh, again, it's the part where I set what I want to do, and then uh, and I and I do my goals in about four to five month increments now because even though they say everybody has 24 hours in the day, if I took it 24 hours from 1996, that's probably pretty old for most of the people on this, but uh, 1996 is not the same as the 24 hours of today. There were more 24 hours in 1996 than there are 24 hours today. <laughs> that's that'd what the be nice. Is. But the multipliers, like the internet, like uh, like if I wanted to know how Zip worked, mm. I'm using Zip as an archiver that yeah. everybody thinks is automatic now. In 1988, when ARC switched to ZIP, um, there was no internet, there was no way to look it up. So the ability for me to learn to use this new product would take days, whereas now I can just look on the internet. Mm. So from a framework standpoint, you, you have to be very disciplined in what you're wanting to learn. Make sure it's relevant for what you're, what you're currently working on so that you have vested interest in it. Mm -hmm. And then just go for it and then reevaluate it after a couple of months to see if you're going the right way. But if you change directions every week, you won't actually get anywhere. So it's like pick a long-term goal of like 60 days, 90 days, go there, and then look around and go, is this where I want to be? And mm -hmm. yes or no? And if not, just continue on to the next spot. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I would get too scattered mm -hmm. on, on what I'm trying to do if I didn't do it that way. Um Got a question from Jesse, and Jesse, thank you for uh, for the question. Um, we've talked a little about this, but maybe we can expand on it. Um, how will smart NICs, DPUs, and CXL change network engineering, Nick? Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. It looks like we do have uh, have somebody out there that uh, actually put acronyms together: DPU right. and Smart Nick. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Uh, that's still in its infancy, and one of the advantages that we have is uh, being in a uh, at VMware. Uh, and in the POC group as we get access to mm -hmm. this kind of technology mm -hmm. before it becomes mainstream. Uh, for us, it's, I think it's a little early. Uh, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that there's a lot of different choices out there right mm -hmm. now. And then you have to find the one that does the workload for what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks Jess. That was, a, that was a great question on the DPUs. That was, uh, not, <laughs> not, that's, uh, not a lot of people would know that one. <laughs> you wanna take a stab at it? Oh no, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> All right, so this one coming in from Santiago. Can I use the EVE NG software product to pass my CCIE service provider lab? 100%. E EVNG? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a great product. You can use it to, so in general, there's how many? There's three virtualization platforms that there are for networking. Um, there's Cisco's official one, which is called Cisco Modeling Labs or CML. There's one called uh, GNS3, and then there's one called EVNG. Um, behind the scenes, they effectively all do the same thing which is they're a hypervisor for a virtual machine on top of it. The virtual machine being the network operating system like the uh, uh, Cisco IOS or IOS XR or whatever. Um, so it's really just a personal preference. The advantage of using the Cisco version is that it comes with the binaries, which means you don't have to find this, the additional software. Um, but for example, we use in our cloud labs, we use both GNS3 and EVNG uh, depending on the application. But for service provider, you would specifically need to know uh, iOS XE and iOS XR, which are 100% support. Well, actually, no, let me take that back. 98% supported in virtualization. There's some things you can't do, 
like you cannot test the data plane of eVPN, uh, but you can test the control plane of eVPN, which gets you 99% of the way there. So versus the alternative uh, would be what, like a million dollar, you know, ASR 9000, something yeah, so like that. 80% on the studying and then the last 20% pick up on hardware. Exactly, yeah, yeah. The real hardware. Uh, another question is from Anon. Thank you for the question. Will the CCIE EI racks get updated to reflect current technologies? Um, yes and no. Um, we already cover in labs. Okay, so the question is, can you just rent racks standalone? The answer is no from us. But we already have labs which... Uh, basically effectively replace everything that we had to do with rack rentals. Mm -hmm. So in terms of CCI Enterprise, this means uh, all the Layer 2 switching topics on Catalyst are in virtualization now. Uh, all the Layer 3 routing topics, the IGPs, BGP, uh, MPLS Layer 3 VPN, uh, and then SD-WAN, the VIP TELUS is SD-WAN, uh, we've already virtualized. So there's labs already available for that. Um, if you just search the platform for SD-WAN, it'll come up. Um, the last piece of the puzzle, which we're adding, is SD Access. So we do have videos for SD Access in terms of theory, but the next one we're working on is the uh, lab-based videos. So yes and no. There's uh, everything except SD Access is there from a practical implementation point of view today. So Early. yes. I think you put everyone on the spot equally. So, but actually, the, this is this is kind of interesting. Based on the other question, the reason we don't have SD access is you cannot virtualize the Cisco DNA Center. The reason why is the virtual machine takes 256 gigs of RAM. So no, you can't virtualize it because that would the it's, it's not feasible to run it in the cloud. Is what the issue is. Um, but uh, we're working on some other solutions. Um, that's going to be our, our basically for enterprise infrastructure. It'll be the only thing we're still running on-prem. Everything else will run in the cloud. Uh, whereas opposed to like CCA data center, for example, we run a lot of stuff on-prem, like the Nexus 5K, 7K, 9K, ACI uh, is still all, hard, all hardware. Um, but all of the other CCA tracks, 99% of the stuff you can do in virtualization. You, you don't need uh, the physical hardware for the rack rentals anymore. Hmm. All right. Um, we've talked about, um, you've talked about your process for setting goals and for achieving those. Um, how, how do you create goals from idea to theory to practice? And we're talking about two of the most successful people in networking here. So valuable, valuable advice. How do you do that? Hmm. Well, I would say if you are getting, let's say you're just getting started in the industry. Um, well, like a good entry point would obviously be like CCNA, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're at a CCNA level and you're trying to go further in your career. What I would personally do would be to go to job sites like Dice and uh, what's the other big technical Monster, Monster and uh, even Glass Glassdoor. Glassdoor, but yeah, whatever. There's another one I'm thinking of, but um, uh, and look at the job that you want to get and then look at what are the requirements and see where do you need to fill in in terms of your knowledge base in order to get to that particular destination mm -hmm. and then like neil was saying you have to check in with yourself because maybe i thought i wanted to be a voice engineer or whatever and then i get three months into that and realize i'm not that interested maybe i want to pivot to something else so 
to say that we can plan for the next 10 years, now we can. We can only plan for the next six months, maybe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's like uh, you become a voice engineer, but you don't want to take end user calls. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't want to. Yeah, it's a mix up. But uh, one of the things is that you, uh, I use the, uh, I guess it was uh, Brian Tracy, you make, you're the sum of the five people that you hang around with oh, for the, uh, that particular skill set. So mm -hmm. if, like you're working out, you know, five people for that, then the jobs and all that. So I kind of look at it that you, you find uh, people that are ahead of you and then, then you know that's what you want to do. Uh, I'm, I was very specific when I started. Uh, now I'm, I'm more, uh, I, I'm a people uh, manager and people leader, but I'm, uh, from a studying perspective, that it, it also applies to that. I want to learn this way of helping my, my folks grow. But back to the technology side, and that's exactly how I did it. I went out to Dice and I would back we're talking like many many moons ago mm -hmm. now I actually went out to Dice and I was like here is the job I want then I would reach out to people that were in that field to find out if it's something I wanted to do mm -hmm. then I would combine together all of the requirements and then find out if these were HR requirements right or yeah. if this was like hardcore I mean this is one of the traumatic events of my life was I had a CCIE invoice, but I didn't have a CCNP <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to do the job. I didn't have the lower sir. Yeah. I only had the higher one. Anyways, yeah. you know, seriously traumatic. Look, 20 years later, I'm still bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on to that one. <laughs> yeah, hold on to that one. But, but let's see, um, all in all though, is once you know what you're after, then you, then you formulate it similar to the CCNA, except for the voice one, because the lower stuff wasn't out when I passed the the, the voice one, uh, I build from zero. So mm -hmm. I say, okay, here's the, you know, like for DevOps, the, mm -hmm. the new one. I started at the bottom and, and I've been working my way up mm -hmm. through, the, uh, through the knowledge. But yes, you find something that interests you and then just work it backwards. Mm -hmm. um, got a question coming in from a, uh, a watcher on YouTube. Perfect question for you guys. What is the best way to acquire the CCIE? Study six months for the written exam, then six months the lab or study six months for both at the same time? What do you think? Well, the personal I don't put a time to it. I take the blueprint mm -hmm. and then from there work the blueprint backwards. But I didn't, and this is, this is probably, this may be old knowledge, but I wouldn't mix the written uh, with, the, with the lab because my interpretation is it's done by two separate teams. Mm -hmm. So the team that's, that's doing the written, and this is for you, Cisco, if they're out there watching. <laughs> whoever, whoever you get to write those exams, find the most obscure information known to man. And uh, so that's, that's a completely different study method than it is for their, for their actual physical labs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't put a time limit. I don't put a time limit on it. When I think I'm ready, I, I go. That's really the key, is that you can't rush yourself to learn the topics. You just have to, you know, go with the flow and then when you're ready, you're ready, right? Yeah. But I, I would say today probably you don't need to separate, uh, at least for enterprise infrastructure, you don't necessarily need to, need to separate the lab and the written studying only because they're the same blueprint now. Mm. So back when Neil and I were taking them years ago, they, they were two separate blueprints where there would be technologies on the written exam that weren't on the lab or vice versa. Uh, but, but today, it's, that's not the case. Um, so I would say you 
you know, learn the theory and some of the implementation and then take the written exam and then continue with the implementation for uh, the lab. But I wouldn't necessarily put like a time limit mm -hmm. on, you know, this is written, this is lab study per se. Okay. Yeah. Um, this question I, th I think is really, really good coming in from P. Ricard. What value do emerging academic qualifications like a Bachelor of Science in Cybersecurity have in the industry compared to typical certifications? I actually have a business administration degree, so I, I don't even have a computer degree. I actually don't even have an associate's degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, personally, I have very little confidence in the current um, uh, higher ed system. Uh -huh. Uh, outside of the scope of certain STEM fields, look. If you're going to be a doctor, you need to go to medical school, right? Uh, but if you're going to be in, if, yeah, if you're going to be in networking, I wouldn't go to the university for that. There's no university that I know that has any relevant program that's related to networking or cybersecurity. Hmm. Um, what they will do is try to teach you CCNA over two years, maybe. Um, but, and I looked into this part. <laughs> Personally, because I'm trying to shortcut to get to a PhD, but I have to take a bachelor's and a master's degree first, apparently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, something about the steps. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, something about the steps. Um, so I searched around for bachelor's degrees in networking. It just doesn't exist. Huh. Um, because most of the relevant information is vendor-specific. Mm -hmm. um, or not necessarily vendor-specific, but... Um, I would say by the time the university program would be written, uh, they're oh. too far behind the curve. Yeah, right. That's, that's yeah. The, yeah so, exactly for example, with INE, if Cisco were to announce exam changes tomorrow, I'm working on updates the day after tomorrow. Right. If something major changes in network design or something, university's not going to update their degree program for that. Right. So it's very monolithic, in my opinion, in, in that terms, that especially for something like cybersecurity, um, because it's all based on tools. And tools are software. Software changes all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, there, I mean, I, there, I think there is some value in certain, like, associates programs in, in terms of, like, uh, learning networking fundamentals. Um, but... Uh, I mean, personally, for me, I don't. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to tell my kids to go to college or not. To tell you the truth. Yeah. Hmm. It's. I, I think it's a great question. Yeah. I think it's a. It's, it's a. It's a very hot topic. Um, You'd have to currently. augment it, even though you're going through the course material, but augment the mm -hmm. the, the, the the components. Yeah, and I'm not saying you shouldn't learn. You should learn. I'm just saying that may not be the best avenue in order to accomplish your goals. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to wrap it up here uh, just with a question for both of you. Neil, we'll start with you. Eight CCIEs, mm -hmm. CCDE, what's next? Uh, right now, uh, it's, I am actually, at least in my interpretation, I am ahead of the certification. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm learning in 5G doesn't have textbooks yet. So uh, it, it, I'm, I'm, right now it's riding this wave of, of what I would consider once-in-a-lifetime knowledge. I mean, right. 5G is, is just a logo on people's phones right now, and I'm actually behind the scenes learning how all of this technology works and how it integrates with the old-school stuff 
and the new stuff and things like <laughs> DPUs, as Jesse was bringing up, how things like this are going to be uh, coming in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for me, it's like just keeping relevant, keeping current, uh, and uh, staying focused on this, this field. It's fascinating. Now I'll think of you every time I see that little 5G on my phone. Mm -hmm. I wonder what Neil's up to. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, well, I would say, with the, going back to the 5G, who would have thought that your wireless networking would be faster than your wired networking? <laughs> I mean, people, the problem is we were talking about before, like 5G is still in its infancy, right? Yes, yes. People don't really understand what the impact of this technology is going to be. That, uh, you know, regions of the geography that weren't properly serviced by wired networking before now have legitimate options in order to get high bandwidth connectivity into the network. And you were saying, what's the theoretical throughput of, oh, of it's, 5G? It's, 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 in, it's, 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 it's in the gigs. Yeah. Um, I mean... My wired router can't even forward that fast. <laughs> I have a gig circuit at home, and it's capped at like 400 megs because my router's not fast <laughs> enough. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's great timing. It's, it's great timing to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. On that note, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank thank you, you both for being here. Brian, appreciate it. Neil, it's yeah, great to be thanks. in the same room with you guys here in New York City. Um, just, just having a good time and having some good food and, and just being together. So thank you both for thank being you. here. really appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's great. Awesome. Uh, and that is going to wrap up today's stream. Thank you so much for watching, for uh, asking your questions, for staying engaged in that chat. Um, if you missed it, you can look for the replay across our social media channels um, and as well as on the INE website. Be sure to like and subscribe on the uh, social media platform that you're using right now so you can stay in the loop for details on when we go live, get those notifications so you don't have to miss anything cool like this. We're just going to keep doing more cool stuff. So that's going to wrap it up. I'm Katherine Brown. Thank you so much for watching. Have a